Welcome to On the Brink, a fresh lens to take you and your business to new heights. Hi, I'm Andy Simon, your hostess, and I'm here to help you see, feel, and think in new ways. As you know, as an anthropologist, my job is to take you to new places and open your minds to what's possible. You can collaborate with your mind and begin to change it and to change your business as well. So today I have Tatiana Sawyer with us. And Tatiana has a wonderful new book coming out in March. It's called Dream Bold, Start Smart. And she's going to talk about what she's learned. And she says she's a numbers expert. She has over 15 years of experience helping entrepreneurs and business owners become the boss of their bottom line. Now, you know that almost 40% of the business in the U.S. were owned or run by women before COVID. I don't know what the numbers are now, but I also know that many of those were on necessity businesses. And a lot of those were growing. In fact, a lot of the new employment growth was coming out of those women-owned businesses. So if you're there today or want to be, it's a great conversation for us to share with you. Now, Tatiana's background, she talks about many people being their own boss, but hold themselves back. Why? They're terrified of dealing with money. How interesting. Numbers and taxes. Not their strong suit. They can communicate, coordinate, collaborate, and create. Just don't ask them to look at the books. Mistake, because all the numbers will tell you what you need to know about your business, whether it's doing well or not, but also how and what the trends are. So this is important. And she helps those dreamers get to know their numbers, get taxes under control, and reduce money anxiety. Tatiana, it's a pleasure to have you here today. Thank you for joining me. Thanks so much for having me, Andy. I usually ask our guests to tell us about their journey. I can read your bio a little bit, but I think you've had a wonderful journey to this point. Share with our listeners and the viewers about who is Tatiana and what's happening in your own journey to bring you where you are today. Sure, I'd love to. So I uh, initially, I came to the United States at the age of 19, and I initially wanted to be an attorney. But as I was kind of counting only on myself, I needed a major, pick a, to pick a major in college that would allow me to support myself throughout co- the studies and then throughout law school. So what happened was I actually picked accounting because I thought it would be a great uh, way to support myself, you know, do some bookkeeping for small businesses and so on. And and ultimately, I fell in love with with accounting, fell in love with numbers, and forgot about law school. Um, so that kind of was <laughs> was was my journey in that. But what's interesting is that I started as I went to school. I ha- didn't have the luxury to not work during school, so I actually went to school and, and ended up working for four or five small businesses doing bookkeeping, which was great because I was learning theory and then I was kind of bringing it together in practice at work. Um, so to me, all of it made sense immediately. And I saw how the concepts apply to, to practice uh, right away, which, which basically allowed me to see the different styles of business, the different industries, the different um, types of people, types of relationships, because I didn't work for one company. I worked for several at the same time. Um, and that kind of was my um, first I guess, connection with, with the small business world. And I built on it. So I started out as a bookkeeper, got into accounting, got into taxes, added all of those things. And um, in 2018, you know, I had became a mom in 2012 and then uh, another one in 2015. And, and I build, started building my own bigger practice. And because of that, I actually, you know, I wanted to spend more time with kids. So as I spent more time with with kids and I was growing my business, 
um, I didn't consider it a business because I really loved what I did. And then I got paid for it. So paid the bills. Um, so, so it's interesting, you know, kind of how that worked out. And because of that, up until 2017 or 2018, I didn't really consider myself a business. And some of my clients, when they found out, they were like, that's bizarre that an accountant doesn't consider themselves a business, but it's the truth. When you love what you do, it's not really, it's really easy to get carried away. Just, you know, focusing on what you love to do and not paying attention, pay attention to everything else, to the business aspect of things. So that's kind of in a nutshell, uh, my story. And then in 2018, I got into a couple of different coaching. Well, first of all, I was, um, awarded, um, I was made it to the top 15 in, in an accounting firm contest. And I was a one woman show. Um, <laughs> and I got the prize and I, and my client got a prize because I used um, technology to advance a small business. And that prompted me going into coaching and, and developing my skills and really treating this business as a business. And what I realized is that I'm not alone. I'm not the only person who didn't treat their business as a business. <laughs> There's so many of us. So since then, I've actually been trained in proactive tax reduction. So paying your tax, lower, lowering your taxes proactively, price psychology, and a, a number of different things that now basically allow me to have a holistic approach when I work with a business client. Well, this is so interesting to me because you are like those other 40% of the business owners who are women who have a passion and a purpose and a focus, and you really have fun doing what you're doing. The word work is an interesting one because it makes it sound bad. You know, I'm going to retire, not going to work anymore. You know, I have to work instead of having fun. I work from nine to five and then I play. I don't know why. I have more fun than fun doing the work that I do. <laughs> and I do think it helps in the relationship with those clients because it isn't a transaction. It's a relationship. It's a purpose. And now you're helping them with that purpose. So listen, listeners are going to be asking themselves, okay, so she's turned her passion into a purposeful business. How can I? Where do you begin? Let's give them some, what they should think about, not to make mistakes, but at least to avoid some of those mistakes and to begin to start and to build well. What would you say? I think it starts with a vision and a mindset of being ready to embrace that financial aspect of things because the ugly truth is that it's one of the most important things in any business. Treating it as a business is one, but then also having the mindset of, you know what, I don't know the side of things, but I will learn it mm -hmm. is something that I've seen to be um, an ingredient, uh, ingredients of success for business owners. Because many um, start out with passion, just like I did, just like women, the 40% that you mentioned, but then this, this money aspect or financial aspect, money numbers and taxes kind of gets on the, takes the back seat and sometimes never gets addressed at all. So the first and foremost is the mindset that, you know what, if you want your passion to change lives, first of all, how, how is it going to change? What's your vision? How do you see your business growing and making the world a better place? Once you're clear on that, then the next step is to decide to face your numbers early and face them often. It may not make sense in the beginning. It may be hard in the beginning, but eventually it's probably the best thing that you can do for your business. You know, it's interesting because 
when you understand how our minds work, they have a story in them. And what you're asking them to do is add into the story data, numbers, in a way that enhances the story. Because once you have a story and the story says, oh, I can't pay attention to those numbers, you ignore them, you delete them. But if you flip it and you begin to collaborate with your mind and tell them that the numbers are the business, then what are the key numbers you're going to pay attention to? Your accounts receivable, the days, the accounts payable. How's the cash flowing? Is there cash flow? What's in the bank? What's not in the bank? How are you preparing for your taxes or not? Which is often the case. And we've been working with an accounting firm for four years now, and they are as, as fabulous a client as I could have, but they treat their clients as if they are very special. And they're always working together to consult with them, coach them, and think about how to help them, not in from, simply from a functional, tactical way, but from a real strategic and relationship way. So it becomes real important. But you said important words there. You know, how do you coach them? How do you begin to develop their thoughts? You know, what numbers should they be looking at? Are there some that are more important than others? Because my husband is a, a really successful serial entrepreneur, but he built all of his business numbers first, right? That's right. So um, in terms of which are more important, I think the, the first step is probably treating it as a business. And that entails separating your business and personal finances. So I used to work under my own name, but still I had a separate bank account that was only for business transactions. And that's where a lot of um, people kind of I guess, make a mistake of combining, you know, kind of treating their personal account as both the business and the personal or business as personal or whatever combination of things. <laughs> and a big mistake. It is. Unfortunately, it's a huge, um, it could be a huge potential problem if there's ever an audit. And that's step number one. When you treat your business as a business, that commingling doesn't happen. Or maybe if it happens by mistake once a year, then it's an easy fix. You just transfer the money back. But um, that's kind of the first um, first step uh, to that. Now, looking at numbers, well, first of all, before you can actually make sense of the numbers, and I've had clients who um, I would tell them, you know, you should look at your reports every week. And they would say, well, I've been looking, but I don't know what I'm looking at. <laughs> <laughs> That's not uncommon comment, isn't it? Yeah. The day it's not. Not talking to them. Yeah. So the first, uh, well, the first step is to separate business and personal and treat it as a business. And second is to do a proper setup. So when I set up with, um, set up the books for clients, I use a system of grouping expenses into the bigger group so that you can have a macro view and a micro view at the same time. Then once you have that set up, then you can have, you, you can look at your profit and loss report and look at it by month or look at it in, in terms of the percentage of how much each of your expenses, how much of, of the income is it? Is it 5% of the income? Is it 10%? And kind of examine the lar- the biggest categories. That's the kind of the first basic step yes. be- because understanding how you're running the business, do you have different revenue streams? That's important, not just from a successful business perspective, but also from a tax perspective. And I'll give you an example. Um, so in 2017, we had a tax reform and Because of the tax reform, this new deduction was created called QBI, Qualified Business Income. 
It's a very lucrative deduction. Everybody wants it. But certain businesses were excluded from being able to take it over a certain threshold. And an example of a business like that would be designers. Designers were excluded. However, many designers, especially interior designers, um, sell a lot of furniture that a regular client wouldn't be able to get on their own from a store, from a workroom. Um, so the design fee business is not eligible after a certain threshold for this deduction, but the sale of furniture is. <laughs> so if you know how much of that um, split you have, if you have set up your books to show you that, then you can make maybe create another entity to save money on tax so that that entity only sells furniture or some, some other planning technique. So there are different ways, different things and benefits that you can reap based on, based on just knowing your numbers. Yes. Well, you also have to know, as you do, what they imply, the story that they're telling you. And you know, when you said that, the, the tax issues are, keep changing, so it makes it always uh, challenging. Um, but you know, as you and I were talking before we started, um, it's also hard for women who have many different mindsets not to find themselves moving toward the thing that is most comfortable for them. They like to create, perhaps, um, but the detail may not be, you like the numbers and the detail. It isn't many women who gravitate there. So do you recommend that they get an accountant or a bookkeeper or a controller, but they still have to know the numbers? And that's what worries me when they hand it off, that they pay less attention to it and they're not looking at the data. And with QuickBooks Online, they can look at it all the time. Exactly. Yeah. And it's it's a no-brainer. It's right there for you. Um, but here's the thing. So what I've noticed with not only women, but um, actually many non-numbers people, yes. um, Typically, because it's not their strong suit, they set it aside. Yes. Um, and But I have a client, and I'll get back to your question about the recommendation, but I have a client who is a poetry major, was a poetry major in college. So completely not numbers person. But he had a dream. And at some point, he realized that in order to, to scale and to grow and to make his dream happen he needs to conquer this numbers beast. Uh -huh. And so he's had a, he experienced a mindset shift. And I think that's the first and probably the most important step in, in this journey. And where you need to understand that you always should have, keep your hand on a pulse when it comes to the financial health of your business. That doesn't mean that you do everything, but that will affect the team that you select, the processes that you will incorporate, and the growth that you will experience. So this client of mine, up until a certain point, he was, and it's very common, he was afraid to look at the numbers. He was afraid of the accountant meeting. Oh my. Um, and then he hired a support team. He had a business coach. He actually works with the business coach every week. Um, he also hired a, an, an accountant, a controller, who, who said, listen, you shouldn't be afraid of the numbers. When you look at your reports and you see that something didn't, doesn't match your expectations, you one, find out what happened and two, prevent it from happening again. And he said that after that, basically, his mindset completely shifted from actually dreading accountant meetings to being excited about it. Yes. 
And, and my client is a $5 million company and he still makes his own payments. Uh-huh. And I support that hugely because whenever a business owner makes their own payments, cuts their own checks or sends their own wires, they know the payments that are coming. It's in the back of their mind and they know exactly what's happening in the business. Um, and that's, that's, what, that's what I've found to be the most powerful and impactful activity for, a, for someone who's, who wants to be successful, who wants to um, grow their business, but is intimidated or maybe anxious about the numbers a little bit. Now, a word from our sponsors, Simon Associates Management Consultants. Simon Associates is us, and we love to help you see, feel, and think in new ways to help you and your business grow. We specialize in applying the tools and methods of anthropology, but we're also entrepreneurs and business builders, and we like to share our experience and expertise with you. So if you're stalled or stuck or starting up, give us a buzz and let's see if we can help you as well. You can learn all about us at simonassociates.net and read my book, learn about it at andysimon.com. There's a free chapter you can download and a toolkit you'll find very helpful. We're on Amazon and you can buy it as a book, an ebook, or even an audible that I recorded myself. We look forward to hearing from you at simonassociates.net. Info at simonassociates.net is right to us. Now back to our podcast. I'm curious, one of the things that I find often working with our clients and doing workshops is that the pricing strategy is an, it's really an anathema. When people say to me, oh, we're medium priced. Um, what does that mean? And how do you know what the right price is? And we're blue ocean strategists and we talk about how do you set the price to maximize your market and then pull out your expenses to get your margin so that you're not cost plus because it's easy to add costs. Um, but, you know, how do you find the, the right space that will get you the most business at the right price without you being a commodity? What are your thoughts? Well, accounting has been commoditized for years, for decades, I would even say. And so I can tell you from my experience um, that it's, it's very easy to get trapped to, um, into this thinking that your service or your product is a commodity. I mean... Granted, there are products and services that may be commodity, a commodity, but I believe, and it's it's been scientifically proven by various studies, that any product or service can be differentiated. Mm-hmm. So in, according to price psychology, there are two main strategies um, that you can price with. And number one is the low-cost leadership, where no matter what you do, your only strategy is the lowest price possible. Uh-huh. So we're not talking about those companies. There, there's a number of them. There's IKEA. There is um, Southwest. There is um, there's something else. Um, oh, Walmart um, uh, certainly. But everybody else falls into the other. Hopefully, they fall into the other because there are companies who don't know what they're really doing, and that's where the commodity mindset comes in. The other one is the high value differentiation. Think Apple. I mean, it's a computer, but they were able to bring perceived value to a point where people just buy Apple. That's and I, I include myself in that, in that category. And they're loyal and they'll never buy anything else. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, and here's the thing. So I asked, I was presenting this price psychology uh, training um, at college and, and I asked someone, what's the right price for a car wash? So people threw different numbers at me, but the highest one I think was like $50. 
And I said, well, listen, there's the basic $14 wash or $15 wash, but do you think a $5,000 car wash exists? Sure it does. People who buy $2 million cars, to them paying a $5,000 uh, car wash and detail fee for to get their car detailed by a professional that doesn't scratch their car, that doesn't yes. ruin anything, is worth it. So it's, the spectrum is unlimited. And it's all about you setting your value and your price. So it all starts from picking the category. But like I said, a lot of companies don't really know what they're doing. They're not in the low cost, but they're also not in the high value kind of um, area. <laughs> well, you know, um, as I'm listening to you, they are the story that they tell themselves and others uh, is not distinguished. They all Whenever we do our work with them, they tend to say, oh, we have good service, excellent service. We're heavily invested in um, the customer experience. We really do um, uh, great product development. Um, but do you do it differently or do you do it? Are you imitative or are you innovative? And more than you would imagine are imitative, they're another. And they aren't very innovative at all. And they sort of scratch their head and say, I guess I should think about that. You know, isn't it time for us to think through, are you another? Um, and they're going to have a difficult time as the market consolidates. Um, they won't have any market. And they're yeah. beginning to find a the roll-ups are beginning to take their customers away from them. And there's no reason why anyone is going to continue to use them. So it becomes an interesting time. Are you yeah. finding similar things? Well, in accounting, there has been a shift. Um, so in my profession, you know, accountants are often... Um, commoditized by clients, um, oh, like either based on the refund amount that you can get them or based on the fees that you charge them. <laughs> but, but unfortunately, neither of those things is an indicator of a good accountant. Um, as I experienced my own mindset shift, mindset shift in, you know, two or three years ago, I realized something and I was in the same bucket before, uh, before I came to this realization and I changed, I did something about it. Um, so the first thing is realize it and then do something about it. Those are the kind of the two steps that, um, that not everybody takes. And I was able to differentiate myself enough that I don't think I do have competition. Mm -hmm. And I'll explain what I mean. So traditional accountants, and maybe your, your, our audience can apply that to their business. Um, traditional accountants typically, typically um, in order to make a de decent living, take every client that comes through the door. And end up in order to, like I said, have a decent lifestyle. We're not talking about luxurious lifestyle, decent lifestyle, end up with two, three, four hundred clients that they have to service. Then they hire someone to help add another hundred clients. So it's it becomes a cash 22 sort of um, not necessarily the right metaphor, but it becomes this constant rat race after new clients and new clients and new clients so that your staff is busy so that you sustain the same profit levels. Yes. And what, in the end, what happens is you as a client, one of the 300, let's say, think that you're getting tax planning, that you're getting advice, but in the, in reality, you're not getting any of that because think about, we have 220 or whatever work days a year and a huge part of them is crammed into a three-month period where we have to file everyone. Yes. And that, like, how much time does that leave for me as an accountant to look at your 
numbers periodically to really be able to help you. It doesn't leave anything, especially during tax season. But outside of tax season, it's the same thing. So what ends up happening is you think you're getting a service, you're not getting a service, but then um, there is something that happens, happens statistically to, let's say, three clients out of 300. But then the accountant doesn't care if they lose you as a client because you're only one of 300. So I shifted my mindset when I got into coaching. I realized that I don't want to work with 300 clients. <laughs> I don't want to compete for 300 clients because I, I don't, I'm not changing their life. Mm-hmm. I'm not making their business better by just giving them the bare minimum of filing of their taxes. And it just doesn't make any sense. So I decided I'm going to work with less clients, much less. Uh, and we work together weekly, sometimes daily, sometimes monthly or quarterly, but I'm always involved in their business and their decisions. I know a lot about them personally, because honestly, business is personal. Everything we do in business influences our life and vice versa. And if I know that you're supporting an an ill parent, um, then maybe you can get a tax deduction for that, that nobody told you about, or there are different things that per, that happen in your personal life that could affect lower the taxes that you pay. But if I don't know about them, then you don't get the benefit. Yes. And it's impossible to service 300 clients with that level of, with that depth of, of relationship. Um, you're having fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I bet your clients are too. I, um, it's about time for us to wrap up for our clients out there and our listeners. Are there two or three things you want them to remember, whether they're in business, growing a business, thinking about it? I know you have a wealth of knowledge to share with them, and it's been a pleasure doing it. Um, leave them with a couple of things you want them to remember. Sure. So I, I think number one is to always make a decision today to leave the door open for other things in the future. Because otherwise, you're, if you make a decision today that does not leave an, an option for you to do something differently, then you're stuck with the choice. Mm-hmm. I prefer to make decisions today so that you have a choice later. And then number two is don't fake it till you make it when it comes to numbers. Face it and face it early. And that's the secret to success. <laughs> you know, it's like learning a foreign language. It feels very unclear. But once you get over that hurdle, it is in English, you can begin to see why it's so essential. And then you can think about your business in the numbers. And then you always are thinking about your business in the numbers. Everything has yeah. a number associated with it. That's pretty yeah. cool. So the book comes out in March. Where can they pre-order it? So the book is available for pre-order on Amazon. Um, and the book is coming out March 16th. Um, and the book actually, every hardcover book has a, a code that is redeemable for a book uh, experience. Um, so it's actually pretty cool. I'm actually really excited about it. What is a book experience? I'm like anxious to hear about it. <laughs> so the book is a, uh, the book is called Dream Bold, Start Smart. And it's for someone who has a business idea and um, wants to skip the anxiety and wants to make sure that they don't fail. Um, so it's a step-by-step game plan, uh, roadmap rather, um, to start the business, get the right entity, get the pricing right, cash flow, and all of those things. And uh, in the experience, so basically when you redeem the code, you get um, this product, access to the product, to the training. And every week you get 
a video of me going deeper in that chapter. And then also giving you some action steps, action items that you can take, um, action steps that you can take, um, and a Q&A calls also as part of the experience. So laser coaching kind of, um, I will, every week I'll pick three people to laser coach on those calls. And it's just going to be a really cool experience to not just read the book, but to actually experience it. Yeah, it sounds like you're really going to live this wonderful time to smart, start smart and dream bold. And in some ways, you're going to help them make the dreams come true, huh? Yep, absolutely. <laughs> um, we've had with us today Tatiana Sawyer. And Tatiana is a fascinating woman trying to help you take those ideas and make them into great big businesses. And they ground it in the numbers. So I'm going to emphasize her, her perspective with you. And the numbers aren't scary. They are the business. And if you're not paying attention to them, you really don't know what your business is doing. And you don't know if it's growing or not or how. And you really don't know how your bookkeeper or your controller is managing the flow. The reports aren't inconsequential. They are essential. And with things online like QuickBooks Online and so forth, you can look at it all the time. The most important part is the data talks to you. And if you can't hear it, you don't understand it, you need Tatiana to help you address it so that all of a sudden it's like a language. What does that mean? And is that a good number or a bad number? If you can't read it, no, don't trust anybody. You need to spend some time getting comfortable yourself because you have no idea how many times that bookkeeper is good, but you don't know whether they're that good. And you really don't know what the problems are when you can't pay and there's no cash. And cash is king. Right. You're shaking your head, Tatiana. You want to <laughs> add something to my little thought? I think you nailed it. Cash is king and um, trusting. First, you need to know the numbers yourself before you trust someone else with them. Yep. And and then when they tell you, you need to ask questions. Keep asking questions. So um, for those of you who would like to know how to get a hold of Tatiana, how should they reach you, Tatiana? So you can uh, connect with me, uh, talk to Tatiana.com, and then we'll go from there. That is terrific. We'll have all the uh, contact information on the podcast uh, blog. And it's, um, it's actually been a pleasure today. Now, this is going to be both a video and an audio. So those of you who are listening or want to watch it, it per works out perfectly. So let me say thank you for all of you who come. You come from across the globe. I was just looking at our numbers. We have people from literally across the globe, from the UK, from Belgium, from Brussels, from, let's see, Brazil and the Philippines and India. And so the message is as good for all of you everywhere as it is for anybody in the, in the US. It's an exciting time to tell people a story and wherever they are, it becomes relevant for them. So it's truly an honor. Um, our new book comes out on January the 5th. We're getting ready to launch, and it's called Rethink, Smashing the Myths of Women with Business. Um, you will be absolutely fascinated by the stories in there of women who have done just that. They've smashed the myths, and they've become successful. I think they probably knew their numbers also. And, uh, <laughs> but they are just uh, great stories to share. And then the book has turned into an online course that we'll be launching at about the same time called Rethink your journey with Andy Simon. And my job is to help you rethink where you are and where you want to be and how to become the best that you can be. So we're all trying to help women do just something special. And I love your emails at info at andysimon.com. Keep them coming and suggest people you want to hear. I get them all the time. It's just a pleasure to hear people like Tatiana share with you and for you to tell me who you would like to have 
So on that note, I will stay. Please stay healthy and safe and have a great, great time doing whatever makes you happy. Because this is a time for purpose and passion and focus and fun. And I send you my best wishes. Bye-bye now.